say it all. Blessed are those who run to him. You feel like running to God today? You feel like running to Jesus? Whatever you're going through, whatever your situation, just run to Jesus. Hallelujah. There's the answer right there. Running to Jesus. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Blessed are those who run to him, who place their hope and confidence in Jesus. He won't forsake them. And blessed are those who seek his face, who bend their knee and fix their gaze on Jesus. He won't be shaken. And come on and praise. Love, Lord, with me. 
bless God in the sanctuary, bless God in the fields of plenty, bless God in the darkest valley, every chance I get, I bless your name, bless God when my hands are empty, bless God with the praise that cost me, bless God when nobody's watching, every chance I get, I bless your name. Bless God with the weapons for me, and bless God with the walls are falling. I bless God because He goes before me. Every chance I get, I bless Your name. Bless God for He holds the victory, and bless God for He's always with me. Hallelujah. Bless God for He's always worthy. Every chance I get, I bless Your name. I bless God in the sanctuary. I bless God in the fields of plenty. I bless God in the darkest valley. Every chance I get, I bless Your name. I bless God when my hands are empty. I bless God with the things that cost me. I bless God when nobody's watching. Every chance I get, I bless Your name. I bless God with the I bless God with the wall of fire. I bless God because He goes before me. Every chance I get, I bless your name. I bless God for He holds the victory. I bless God for He's always with me. I bless God for He's always worthy. Every chance I get, I bless your name. Father, we praise you today. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your powerful name. Touch my lips of clay. Anoint me that I could preach the word of the Lord like a man with a coattail on fire. Anoint me. Let me speak words that would bless people. 
most of all, that would lift up your name today. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. amen. Celebration Sunday, three weeks from today on October 15th. Homecoming style meal after the worship service. We'll be meeting in the gym. And um, church will be providing some meats. But we also want you to bring covered dish just like the good old days. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I like macaroni and cheese. So if several of y'all want to make that, it's fine. It's going to be fun. And we'll have about 25 of them. We'll have chicken and mac and cheese. I can promise you that. Baptism on Family Sunday, October 29th. If, if interested, just come prepared that day. We've already had several that said they wanted to be baptized. We do this several times a year. And so this is your opportunity. Don't wait. You always got to love that church member that comes to you the next week and says, Preacher, I'd like to be baptized too. You better be here October 29th is my, what I'm going to say to you today. October 29th, that's your day. But we could be like Philip and the Ethiopian as we were talking on Wednesday night that saw a mud puddle and he said, What hinders me from being baptized right now? That was before they had baptismals in the church. Fall festival also October 29th from 5 to 7.30. So be here for that. It's going to be a blast, I promise you. No Christmas play practice today also for those that may be trying to help with that, all right? I want to get right into the Word today. I, I just... Man, I woke up Friday morning, and this is what the Lord had on my, on my heart so heavy. I couldn't get away from it, so I got up. I started typing notes and just letting the Lord speak to me. And I just want to talk on longing for God's presence. A longing is an intense craving, a desire a longing is what an alcoholic in rehab has for a bottle of alcohol. A longing is what the drug user has, that craving, that addiction. It's not only substance abuse, it is the lust of our flesh, the pride of life. It is sin in general that calls our name and says, come on over to the dark side. The flesh in us craves and longs for those things that we know we ought not have. It is the Adam and the Eve mentality that you can eat of every tree in this garden, but there is one tree, just one tree out of everything that's perfect that I'm asking you not to eat from. One little tree. Guess what the longing of Adam and Eve was for that one tree? If we could long for Jesus the way we long for things in this world, my goodness, revival would break out like crazy. I was, I was praying and I was thinking, the, 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 the church culture has changed drastically in the last 15 to 20 years. What does that mean? Now, now, mind you that I use 15 to 20 years because of when I saw a drastic change in the church but to be honest with you, the church has changed drastically in the last three years, right? We've experienced pandemics and all kinds of things that have changed the way we even view life. I mean, it literally changed everything for people, right? So we've seen a lot of change. But, but I'm talking about church culture in general. I, I am talking about what we have been trained to do. What we as leaders that go to growth conferences, they train us, this is the culture that you want to develop in your church. 
The culture means the way that you operate, the way that you function, the things that you put emphasis in. It becomes the culture of the church. It is what people grow to expect of you. When you think of the change that has happened in church culture over the last 15 or 20 years, this is what I see. And I started pastoring when I was 21, so I've been pastoring for 19 of those 20 years I'm talking about. And the one thing that the modern church has done is they have tried to train people that when you go to a church, you look for certain criteria, right? Anybody know what criteria is? That means that you are looking for a specific thing. In modern church culture, we have trained our people certain criteria. When you're looking for a home church, there are certain things you've got to find in that church or else you should not go to it. In other words, you have one person that says, all right, I go to church because of that praise team. Have you ever heard anybody say, I go to church for the music? You ought to hear our band. All right. Glad to hear that. Well, I go to, you know why we go to our church? Because we think it's the best kids' church program all the way in the southeast. Glad to hear that. Well, the reason I go to church is, oh, that youth group, man, that youth group, they are booming, they are doing things. I mean, it's so exciting. They take them bowling all the time. I mean, this is, oh, man, they have fun. I am going to church for the youth group, youth program. Every now and then you'll have a few folks that'll say, well, you know why I go to church? Because I like that preacher. I like that pastor. I love those kind of members. <clears throat> but do you know what modern church has taught us? That we build around a personality. It, it happened many, many years ago. When, when they went to the church, the reason they went to the church was the personality behind the pulpit. I want you to understand something today, and please, please don't misunderstand what I'm trying to tell you. I'm telling you, and I'm not underestimating the value of such ministries because all of those ministries are important, ladies and gentlemen, to a growing church. You need a good praise team. You need, you need a good worship band. You need kids' church. I mean, you need a good youth program, especially in this day and hour that we're living in. I'm not denying that. You need a halfway decent preacher. I mean, my gosh, I don't want you to have to come and listen to me for 30 or 40 minutes and absolutely be bored out of your mind the whole time. I don't want to put you through that mess because I've had to sit through it before. I refuse to make you be one of those people. I, don't want, I want excitement. I want to bring everything I have. I am, not, I am not underestimating the value of these type things. But my real concern is this, that I cannot tell you the last time that I heard somebody come to my church, one of my churches, in the last 20 years that said to me, Pastor, I come to this church because every time I get there, Jesus is in the house. And that bothers me. Because if we're coming to church, and it's not because of Jesus, 
then the other things that I have mentioned have taken priority over Christ. And we come for different reasons. Quite frankly, we are coming for wrong reasons. There's people that will leave spirit-filled... Do you mind opening that for me? I, know, I should do it before church. I know. I had too much going on. Do you know there are people that will leave Holy Ghost-filled, fire-baptized churches so that they can have a good kids program? I mean, they don't even believe in speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. But they'll go... Oh, God, help me. Oh, God, it's going to get quiet in here today. But they'll go to a church that doesn't even believe in speaking in tongues. Try to call themselves Pentecostal. Oh, don't everybody shout at once. There is an issue in the church of Jesus Christ. In other words, the priority is not the different ministries or activities that are going on in the church. It should be the undeniable fact that the presence of God fills that house every time we gather together. That should be the primary purpose of why we go to a church. If we are Pentecostal, and if we believe in Pentecost and the Spirit of God, manifestations of the Spirit, then it's time that we start manifesting that to the body of Christ. Otherwise, it is on our sign. We talk about it. It sounds fancy. But we deny the power thereof. In Psalm 27, verse 4, I want to read to you what David says. This is a verse that when I woke up was on my mind, and it just grabbed me. It tore me to pieces. David said one thing. How many things, church? When you start talking about one thing, what you're doing is you're prioritizing what is the most important thing. He says, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. He says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life just to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple. What I see in my text is very, very simple. David has a desire for God's presence. In other words, there is a longing. Do you not hear it in the verse? There is one thing I want from the Lord. It is not a good preacher. It is not a good singer. It is not a praise man. But the one thing that I desire of God is that I can get in his house and I can feel his presence there. That is the one thing. That I desire the most. There is a longing, a craving. See, David said it best in Psalm 42. He said, as the deer longs for water, so my soul longs for you, O God. The deer is a hunted animal. Poor Bambi. But I sure do love deer meat. But nonetheless, even though the deer is hunted, it spends much of its time on the run from predators, a.k.a. are also known as human beings named hunters. The deer longs for water as it is running away from all of its predator, and it is tired and it is weary. 
He says the deer has to find a stream and they are longing for a stream. They are so thirsty from their run but then they begin to drink from that water and they feel refreshed. David says, I long for a connection with God just like that. It is the one thing that I desire to come by that river of flowing living water and to drink from it. I long to be in your presence, oh God. As humans, we long for something greater. As humans, we have this innate ability to believe that there has to be more, right? There has to be more than this. That is why many people spend their life searching for meaning. They are looking for some cause for something greater. This is why people are driven to operate in a spirit of excellence. Because they truly believe that things can be better than they are right now. And the Christian faith, ladies and gentlemen, we that say we're Christians, the one thing about our faith that gives us hope is the fact that this life is not the end. We preach about it at every funeral or homegoing service that we go to. We tell our Christians, we tell our friends and our neighbors and anybody that shows up, we say this individual that knew Jesus Christ. It is not the end for him or her. It is only the beginning because we have hope of a place called heaven we have hope of somewhere that's better than this this human soul longs for something and the greater that every human soul longs for that greater thing whether they realize it or not is a true connection with the creator of the universe they can seek it with money, they will not find it. They can seek it with stuff, and sooner or later they have so much stuff that the stuff doesn't even satisfy them any longer. But to those that have found Jesus, my God, it's crazy because we live in a world where people that have everything always complain that they need more and then we got people that have everything, a.k.a. Jesus. And we can't even be happy. And the world saying, I need something more than what this world can give me. And they finally find Jesus. But us church folks, man, we've been in this thing a long time, haven't we? And we've forgotten how sweet it is. We've forgotten that he's still the honey and the rock. We've forgotten that he's still the sweetest everything, the sweetest name that I know. My God Almighty, we've got Jesus. It is the greater thing that we long for. To every Christian, the greater thing that we long for, it is not a better children's ministry. It is not these other things that I've mentioned. The thing that we really long for is a supernatural touch from the Holy Ghost in our lives. We just want another wave of glory. 
We just want in Acts chapter 2 where all of a sudden when we come together in one mind and one accord, all of a sudden there is a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind and it blows in the air house and the hair on our neck stands up because we know something has changed in the room. It is not anything a preacher can produce. It is the power of the Holy Spirit working in men that need something more. Oh, Jesus, help me today. But the deer must seek out the water, right? The deer doesn't just stand there when it's tired and weary and say, boy, I can't wait till they bring out some, a fresh stream out here. I can't wait till somebody comes and like a dog and brings me a bucket and lets me drink from it. I'm excited about No. He searches until he finds the water. Oh, my goodness. The water doesn't just appear because it is weary and thirsty. The deer finds the water. I don't come to church just because of ministries. I come to church, why? Because I'm seeking after the water. The water, Jesus, I am seeking after the presence of God. Now, we have to understand what the presence of God is. So if I define the presence of God... When Jesus is born, what was his name? He shall be called Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. It is God's presence. It's going to fill the earth. It's going to fill every soul that's hungry, every soul that's thirsty. And then in Acts 2, after Pentecost happens, the Holy Spirit becomes a constant companion with you and I. So it doesn't matter where we go. I'll tell you, I don't even want to go to Walmart or the grocery store without the Holy Ghost and Jesus with me anymore. I can't trust it. People are crazy. I've got to have the Holy Spirit with me. We have to understand what the presence of God is. The presence of God is more than just come to church and get a little fixed like a drug and then walk out. That is not what the Holy Spirit and the presence of God is intended to be. The presence of God is he shall be with you and he shall live inside of you. That's the presence of God. See, the, 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 the different dimensions of God's presence. What are they? Well, first off, he is omnipresent. Do you understand what omnipresence means? It simply means that God is everywhere at the same time. Everywhere. It's amazing that right now there are thousands upon thousands of congregations that are meeting just like we are. And the presence of God is going to fill their house just like he is filling ours. All the way in Africa, somebody just started a prayer service. And the presence of God has just come in the house. Right now in underground China where they know if they get, get caught, they're going to die. But they've gotten underground and they've met. There's only five or seven of them. It's a small cell group. But they have just started prayer. And they feel the foundation of the place is being shaken. As a prayer, do you understand? This God that you serve is not limited by time nor by space or by whatever our human frailties are. He is God. There is nothing he cannot do for you omnipresent he is there all the time so in other words there is nowhere that I can go to get away from his presence 
I like that, that song that we sing that says you're running after me. Your goodness is chasing after me. I can't get away from him. I could try to, but he finds me wherever I am. In the lowest valley he comes. Whenever we read about David, since we're talking about him, he said, if I take the wings and fly like a dove, if I travel to the other side of the planet, he is there. You could ask Jonah in the Bible. He'd tell you the same thing. I was supposed to be over yonder in Nineveh, but I took off the Tarshish. I thought, man, I can run from the presence of God. But on that ship, you know the story. That thing started rocking and reeling. And the people on the boat, the sailors say, man, we've never had a storm like this. To which Jonah finally recognizes. He says, this is not a normal storm. It's the presence of God. He is shaking things up. Thank you, honey, for the hand clap. I love it. I see her. I got little babies just a clapping. They, they with me. I got cheerleaders. I love it. Train them up right. What I'm telling you is the simple fact that Jonah would say, I went to that ship. I thought I could get away from God, but the presence of God showed up there. He said, if I ascend to hell, and sometimes we go through hell on earth. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We feel like we're at the lowest pit that we've ever been at. But David said, even when I go down there, he is still there with me. This presence of God I'm talking about is everywhere. Oh, God Almighty. The three Hebrew boys would agree with me today. They literally got thrown down into hell, into fire. But yet God showed up. There's a fourth man in the fire. It don't matter what you do to try to get away from God. You'll never run from his presence. He's going to hold you even when you don't want him to hold you. He's going to show up even when you don't want him to show up. My God. This. This is who God is. His manifest presence is another dimension. This is what we'll call real quickly, these are special encounters with God. When you look up the word manifest or manifestation, it simply means it is clear, it is obvious. There is no question. There is no doubt that God is manifesting himself to man. It is a theophany. It is when God wrestles with man. I, I want you to see we need a manifestation from God again, folks. We need a theophany. We got a pile of theology. But we need a theophany where God comes down in the middle of mankind and shows up. I'm talking about those services that you walk away and you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that God had filled that place with his glory. And when you left, even the atheists had to recognize nobody could doubt there was something in that house today moving. There was an anointing like I've never felt. There was a power like I've never felt in my soul. It was the presence of an almighty God. Have you ever had a special encounter with God? Anybody? I told you at my last church, without calling names, I don't even know where I was. I don't even care. It doesn't matter. It's a fact. I'd say it there. Just wasn't jiving, wasn't working. But I remember walking around that church one day by myself, tears rolling down my eyes. Nobody else in that house. And I remember having a moment with God. 
I remember a divine presence. I don't know that I'm one to say, oh, I had visions, but that day I believe I did. As I walked around that church, got right in front of that pulpit, I remember what God showed me. When I looked up and I could see, and I, it was like God just rolled back that church, and I could see the dark clouds all over the place. But in the middle of it, God said, I want you to look right up there. And I looked up there, and in the middle of all that darkness around everywhere on that property, I saw a little bit of light, just a little light. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me right there. I'll never forget it. And he said, all this darkness will be dispelled by one little ray of light. And when God said that... It was in that moment I knew everything was going to be all right. Nothing I had done, nothing I had said. I had had a theophany. I had had a divine encounter with Jehovah God, and I knew when it happened. God can do the same thing for you today, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you, it was in that moment that God saved my life. It was in that moment that God even, I would go as far as to say that he saved my ministry. Or I would not even be standing here today preaching this sermon to you had I not had an encounter with God at a moment that I absolutely was desperate and longing for the presence of God in my life. Understand with me today, ladies and gentlemen, all you need is one manifest moment with God and He can immediately, somebody say it, immediately, immediately God can change your situation right then and there. I read of Jacob... And his infamous wrestling match with God. Have you ever read that story? I'm not going to tell it all. I don't have time. But he fights with God. The Bible said a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. Jacob is alone praying. He's discouraged. He's disgusted. His brother Esau's already told him, as soon as I see you, I'm going to kill you, boy. You, you've pulled one over on me too many times. You stole my birthright. I'm taking your life. But after a moment with God, a divine presence of this great God, Jehovah, comes down. And they're wrestling, and that angel, who many say was a theophany, meaning that it was God wrestling with him in a form of a man. But as he's fighting with him, and he says, let me go, the day breaks. But Jacob said, I've come too far to turn back now. I am not going to let you go unless you give me the blessing that I've been praying. Until you answer my prayer, until you do what I've been asking and requesting, I will not let you go until you bless me. There is a longing in his heart for something more. It is in that moment that you know God blessed him. You shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. You're not an ordinary guy anymore. You have found you are a prince with God. Jacob and the ladder to heaven at Bethel. Does anybody remember that story? He has a dream. There are angels ascending, descending up and down. God reminds Jacob of the promise he made to his father and his grandfather. And he promised to Jacob, just like I was with them, my presence was with them, I will also be with you. Look at Genesis 28. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. This is where it gets interesting. And I wasn't even aware of it 
One version said, the presence of the Lord was in this place. He said, and I didn't even know it. I knew God help us. How many times have we walked into this place that we call the house of God and didn't even recognize that we were in the middle of the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We were simply too preoccupied with other things. Life. That we didn't even recognize the creator of us. And the creator of the universe had slipped into the middle of our church service. Help us. Verse 17. He was also afraid and he said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God. This is the very gateway of heaven. May we recognize today that this isn't just some house. This isn't another stick building. This is the house of God. This is the place that we are supposed to be coming and getting a little taste of heaven. This is not a gossip session. This is not a place that we tear down our brothers and sisters. This is a place where we experience heaven on earth. Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven it is in this place that this happens we could even move on several years later we can jump to Genesis 35 you may recall it when God tells Jacob he said Jacob you need to arise and you need to go back to guess where you got to go back to Bethel the same place that you saw angels descending and ascending and descending on the ladder. The same place that you finally recognized that my presence was in that place. Now, I'm not going to read it for time's sake. But you open up your Bible and you read it. This is what you find. Jacob looked at his household and said, all right, guys, you got to get rid of those idols. So what does this mean? That between this encounter with God, this theophany, this wrestling match with God, in between that moment and this, this latter moment when the presence of God is in this place, it's awesome to be in the house of the Lord, thank you Jesus. Somewhere in between those two encounters to where we are now, he has allowed little idols to get in his house. These are the things that have pulled him away from God. These are the things that have pulled him away from his presence. And he says, let's go back to Bethel. When he gets there, guess what God does? He reminds him of two special encounters, the one I mentioned a while ago above from his past. And he reminded Jacob, this was the second time he told him, he said, your name is no more Jacob. Jacob represents sin. Jacob represents your humanity and your failures and your frailties. Jacob is the God that would want idols. But you are no more Jacob. I want to remind you right here in my presence that your name is Israel. There is something more. There is something greater. And he reminded him of the promise that just as I walk with Abraham, your grandfather and Isaac, your father, I am going to walk with you. It is in this moment that Jacob had his third divine encounter with this awesome God. The Bible said after he got back to Bethel, then God appeared to Jacob again. What are you trying to tell me, Pastor? Case in point, I'm trying to tell somebody 
that you may need to go back to Bethel again. You may need to get rid of a few idols that you picked up along the way. You need to revisit a past encounter before you can have a present manifestation. I'm going to say that again. And I'm going to say it slow where you can get it. You may need to revisit a past encounter before you can have a present right now manifestation. How many years has it been in your life since you have had a genuine encounter with Jesus that absolutely wrecked you? How long has it been? Y'all ain't shouting like I'm preaching. How long has it been since you have had a theophany, a moment where you and God are together like Jacob, and God does something in that moment. For me, it was in a church building all by myself. I wasn't preaching. All I was doing was praying. It was right there in that moment that God showed me my presence is still with you. Because I didn't believe it was. I didn't believe it was. I, I was absolutely convinced that God had just, he was finished with me. I was convinced by all the things that were going on around me. Those external circumstances, I'm convinced. This ain't my thing anymore. I've always wanted to make coffees at Starbucks. Maybe God's telling me something. But God showed up and he wanted me to know that there is a little bit of light in the middle of all of this darkness. God gave me that moment. Have you had that moment with God? It absolutely will change your life forever. But the question is how long has it been? Oh, oh i got to hurry. There are benefits. My goodness, I wrote this sermon. I just wrote it too long, it looks like. There are benefits to being in the presence of God. i got to hurry. Peace and rest when you surrender everything to Him. You'll find guidance and wisdom. That is clarity. God will show you clarity of mind. Transformation and healing takes place. God changes your situation. He heals you. In the moment that I had a theophany with God, I was a broken little man. I was a broken little preacher that thought it was over. But God showed up and he wanted me to know something. I am not here just to give you a moment where you feel better. I am here to heal you. And it is in that moment that God not only touched me, he transformed. Boy, I feel like preaching today. Y'all might have to give me 10 extra minutes today. It is in that moment that Jesus healed wounds that were so deep. I'm telling you, there wasn't a sermon on the planet or a preacher that could have healed my wounds. I don't care what they said or what they did. There was only one that rose with healing in his wings. And his name is the Almighty God. My Lord, I wish somebody would shout praise the Lord right now. He'll show up for you, ladies and gentlemen. He'll you emotionally, mentally, even physically he's able. The search for God's presence. I got Moses in chapter 3. He wants an encounter with God. There's a burning bush. You remember it. God wanted him to know, I've called you to do this. The bush is burning, but it's not consumed. 
on the journey to the promised land, Moses finally got it. He surrendered to God and said, God, if you say move, we will move. If you say stay, we will stay. In other words, if your presence doesn't go with us, then we ain't going nowhere. The story of David is a search for the presence of God. You can recall, and I won't preach it, the infamous story of David and Goliath. The moral of the story is in the words where David said, I come to you in the name of the Lord. Watch this. This is where it gets good at. I want you to grab it. I am going to fight you today, giant, but I am not going to fight you alone. Goliath, you need to know I'm not bringing my brothers with me today for backup. I am not bringing King Saul for backup. All he offered to do was to give me his battle armor that didn't fit. He's over there trembling in his tent at the moment. But I am bringing the presence of God with me today to this battle. And I promise you, oh boy, that today I will win. You will lose. Yes, sometimes we have to be tired. Some of you have, to have tried fighting alone. You can't win the battle by yourself. You've got to let the devil and all of hell know, I am not coming to you in my own strength. I am not coming to you in my own name. But I am coming to you in the name of the Lord. So go ahead. Tell the, the giant of anxiety and fear and depression, intimidation, hopelessness, you aren't fighting this battle alone anymore. You are coming in the name of the Lord of hosts. The presence of God and the Holy Spirit are coming with you to the battle today. And they will lose. Oh my God, have mercy. I feel like I'm at camp meeting preaching. Our own search for his presence. Others found him. How can I find him? Notice with me quickly the distractions and busyness of life. And let's be honest, sometimes we just get too busy for God. It's the facts. We might as well admit it and quit playing the hypocrite in the house. We get busy. We let stuff, Jacob's little gods, come between us and our God. We have these little gods too. Just like Jacob had picked up before he went back to Bethel. We have a need for intentional. That means we make time for it. Like me and my personal assistant. Her name's Siri and I have to be careful saying it because she hears me with this microphone. Trust me, in, in church, she's talked to me before. And when I say her name, and I tell her, I'm being intentional. If you come to me at the church and say, hey, I really need a meeting next week, I'm going to say, what day are we looking at? And I pull out my calendar, I'm looking, I'm looking, and I'm like, all right, we're going to do it Thursday at 1. Perfect. Hey, y'all know her name. I need you to set an appointment for 1 o'clock with Leslie. Bam, it's done. But I am intentional. What I'm doing, I am blocking out my calendar. And that day, unless something drastic happens, it's you at 1 o'clock. We have to have intentionality when it comes to our personal devotion and relationship with Jesus Christ. Because if we don't put him on our schedule, somebody else is going to take his place. Something else is going to take his place. That is why God said, Jacob, I need you to go back at Bethel. Because at Bethel, all you cared about was me. There was nothing else you wanted. All you wanted was my presence. That's it. So if you could just go back to Bethel. 
I'll meet you there. We have a need for intentional seeking God's presence, prayer, worship, reading scriptures, presences for art, till we get to the place that we literally cannot have or get enough of Him. We have to feel His presence. It is David in chapter 51 of Psalm. This prayer of repentance, he had slept with a woman named Bathsheba that wasn't even his wife. He's prayed, create in me a clean heart, O God. Put a right spirit within me. In the verse, I don't know about you, but I can hear the desperation and sincerity in his words. Look at it. He said, God, do not cast me away from your presence. Please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I'm going to leave you with this and i got to close. The presence of God in our church. The gathering of believers as we have done today. This is so special. Other, some other nations can't do what we're doing today. Corporate worship is awesome, folks. Matthew 18, 20. For where two or three gather together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The significance of of corporate worship. Hebrews said, encourage one another. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up our meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But you encourage one another and all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. Get in my presence. You're going to need it. My conclusion, I'm going to the, to the piano, I'm, I'm, I'm closing. In my conclusion, returning to Psalm 27 and verse 4. Can you put it up there? Do you mind one thing I ask from the Lord? This only do I seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I just want to gaze. I want to stand awestruck at the beauty of my Lord. And I just want to seek Him in this place we call the temple. The invitation to be in God's presence is to the Laodicea church. He said, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man would just hear my voice, if they would just open up the door, I would come in and I would sup with them, eat with them, and they with me. I'm bringing a blessing with me. All you have to do is say, presence of God, come into my life. You're welcome here. The challenge, prioritizing God's presence in our lives. This is a challenge for us. I want to leave you with this. And I promise I'm closing. I want you to look at the story of Mary and Martha. Look at Mark 10. I'm going to read this and I'm quitting. Now what happened as they went, he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. But she had a sister called Mary. But look at what Mary did. She sat at Jesus' feet, and she just listened to his words. Isn't that beautiful? But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, this gets good, Martha, and she's probably, Martha, 
until she finally gets her aid. He had to say her name two times. I believe that was with intentionality because she's so distracted. She's running around like me on a Sunday morning at 1035. Somebody say, hey, Pastor Jimmy. I'm like, what? Pastor Jimmy! What was that? You might have to scream a little bit to get my attention. Jesus said, Martha, Martha, you are worried. Go to verse 41. We're on verse 41, buddy. Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Verse 42. But Jesus says, he says, one thing is needed. This is the wrong scripture. Just take it off. I don't know what that is. Jesus said, but how many things? But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part. And I will not take it away from her. We can get so concerned with methods that we forget why we come to church in the first place. We can get so concerned with the service outlines that we forget Jesus has plans for this service today and it may not be ours. We get so concerned with how good this ministry is and that ministry is that we forget it's not about you and it's not about me. I don't always get what I want. At times, I even I have to get pushed out of my comfort zone every now and then. Like Martha, we get so concerned about other things. We, like Martha, we get so distracted by things that, that one day, they won't even matter anyhow. They won't. God, give us the heart of Mary that finally realizes there is only one thing that matters today. And that is to get at the feet of Jesus. To get in His presence and worship Him. You can pat my back today and you can say, Pastor, that was a great sermon. But if you don't get in the presence of Jesus, it don't mean a thing to me. I can write fancy outlines. I can kick my leg and try to get y'all excited. I can do a jump and a hop and a skip and say, let's shout together. I know how it goes. No. None of that matters to me. What matters to me is that you choose one thing. And that is the presence of God. What matters to me is that I can create... A longing in every person's heart in this building the day that says that you're a Christian. And that you will leave this building saying, man, I have played the fool. I have played Christian long enough. I'm ready to really get serious about this thing. I've got to be in his presence. That's all that matters anymore. Today, do you long for the presence of God? in your life is there a desire in your heart today where's my other words for the presence of God in your life I think it's that first page thank you 
Is there a true longing for God's presence? Or would you prefer to just keep going through the motions week in and week out? Come to the drums, Brad. I'm going to sing a song, I think. Week in and week out. We go through the motions. We have our church service. We do our songs. We preach a sermon. People come. People leave. They come burdened. They leave burdened. They come feeling like the weight of the world is on their shoulder. And they leave maybe even feeling heavier than when they came before. Do you want to just go through the motions? Because we can. We can. There's thousands of churches that do it every Sunday morning. They just have church. Some people say, hey, we're good Christians. We went to church on Sunday. Our deed of the week is done. Or is there something inside of you like I feel inside of me right now? I don't want to go through the motions. And I don't want to preach just another fancy sermon to try to get a pat on the back. I want to feel His presence when it comes through that door right there. And I leave the place saying, you know what? It doesn't matter if my sermon was good or not. I don't have to bear that pressure every week that I got to preach a better sermon next week than I preach today. When the presence of God is priority, everything is better. Everything flows. Everything. Oh. oh, in and out of situations. Let's, let's stand. That tug of war at me. See, listen. Because all day long I've, I've struggled. Yes, I have. For the answers that that I need oh but then I come into his presence and all my questions they become clear and for that sacred moment oh no doubts can interfere I'm in It's a place to find the 
It's a tug of war at me. Some of you are here right now. Because all day long I have struggled for all these answers that I need. This is what makes all the difference. But then I come into his presence. Thank you, Jesus. And all my questions, it becomes clear. Moment, just in that moment, no doubts can interfere. I'm in the presence. Well, I'm Jehovah, God Almighty. He is my prayer.
His love the Lord He provided a place for us to rest. He knew we'd get weary and a place to find all the answers in our hours of distress. Child of God, now there's never, there's no reason for us to give up in despair. So just slip away and Read, speak his name. I promise he will surely be you there. For in the presence of Jehovah, God Almighty, you Jesus can do in the presence of the King. Keep playing, Susan. Father, today I thank you for who you are. There's no need for us to be discouraged. There's no need for us to quit. There's no need for us to give up in despair. All we need is to get into your presence. I'm asking you for people today to do for me, for, to do for them what you did for me many years ago, 10 plus years ago. Well, maybe not that long, maybe five years, five or six years. Time flies by so fast. But that moment that you came to me and you saved me, I'm asking you to do that for other people today. When they call on your name and they ask for your help. I'm asking you 
to let them know in that moment, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that there is a God in heaven that cares. And there's a God that is looking down. And he can arise with healing in his wings just like he did for me. You are our God. You're our creator. You care about us. You love us. You care about sparrows. You care about the number of the hairs on our head. Let your presence fill wherever they are, whether it be in a room, whether it be in a car going down the road, whether it be walking in the Walmart. They're so desperate that they just start crying to you on the walk-in. Let it happen. Give them a Bethel experience. We long for your presence today, Jesus. One thing I desire, one thing I have asked from the Lord, and that is that I can just be in your presence. If I get nothing else, so be it. If I get nothing else materially, so be it. Even if I lose things, that are attached to this world, who cares? One thing I have desired, let me desire it till the day that I die, and that is to be in your presence. I long for it, I crave for it. It's what we desperately need in Jesus' name. Can we lift our hands and give him glory today? Can we give him praise today? Thank you, Jesus, for your presence. We love you. We honor you. Can somebody shout amen and amen. God bless you.